Welcome to Disputes Digest. Today is July 16th, 2021. I'm Chris Campbell. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn to stay up to date with news from around the world of international law and dispute resolution. Now, let's jump into it. We begin this week in the heart of the European Union as a Brussels court of first instance rules that tribunal secretaries can assist in drafting an arbitral award so long as the arbitral tribunal reviews and corrects their work. This case dates back to June 17, 2021, where the Brussels Court of First Instance refused to set aside an ICC award in favor of the European Commission based on allegations that it was partly drafted by a tribunal secretary, ruling in effect that there was nothing wrong with the practice so long as the arbitrators review and correct their work. In 2009, the European Commission entered into an agreement with two contractors for the construction of two large infrastructure projects. After defects were detected, the Commission and the contractors disagreed on the origins of the defects and the ICC arbitration proceedings ensued, whereby the Tribunal issued a partial award, largely in favor of the Commission. Then, after the proceedings, the Tribunal received queries from the contractors about the role of the Tribunal Secretary in preparing the questions to expert witnesses. In its reply, the Chairman of the Tribunal revealed that the Secretary had prepared a draft list of questions and assisted in drafting the award, but that the Tribunal had reviewed and approved those questions as well as any portions that were drafted that needed correcting, if any. The contractors inquired further but not being satisfied with the answers and responses, filed a civil action in Brussels court to set aside the award for several reasons, including the delegation and decision-making power of the tribunal secretary. However, the court finally ruled that among other things that the court considered that the mere fact that an arbitral tribunal entrusted a tribunal secretary with the redaction of all or part of the award for a list of questions for expert witnesses is not enough to demonstrate a delegation of decision-making authority. Indeed, there must be a proof of real delegation of decision-making power to the tribunal secretary and concluded that some practices may be permissible in one instance, but not another. But the tribunal only need demonstrate that the decision was made by the members of said tribunal rather than the secretary to be compliant. From there, we head to the United States of America, where a New Jersey state appellate court has just ruled that there is not necessarily an agreement to arbitrate that arises from a browse wrap agreement. Courts have enforced arbitration agreements arising from clip wrap or browseware agreements even though the user has not been attentive to the fine print of the agreement. However, the New Jersey Appellate Court has held that a mere reference to the terms and conditions, i.e. a hyperlink, does not require express acknowledgement or assent of those terms and conditions, and that was not sufficient to establish the agreement to arbitrate. The background of this case is rather straightforward. A homeowner went to the Home Advisor website to find the names of reputable contractors. The website did not allow submission of a service request or viewing of prospective contractors unless the homeowner clicked on, quote, view matching pros, end quote. Below that button was a statement making reference to the fact that by clicking said button, the user was agreeing to, quote, our terms and conditions, end quote, which were hyperlinked in a separate seven-page document with the arbitration agreement, the last two pages of said document. Notably, there was no alert or requirement for the user to specifically assent 
to the provision of the terms and conditions. The culmination of these facts led the court to rule that the user had not specifically agreed to the arbitration agreement, and thus the agreement was unenforceable. Though specific to New Jersey, it will be interesting to see if other courts follow the legal reasoning in future similar cases. And staying right there in the United States, a U.S. federal district court in the Southern District of New York has vacated an award where the tribunal has failed to address repeated objections as to arbitrability of the dispute and jurisdiction of the tribunal. In the case Capraghi S.A. v. Agribusiness United, the court found that the tribunal had not sufficiently carried out its duties. Let's take a closer look. In August 2013, Capraghi, a Moroccan entity in agribusiness, a citizen of the United Arab Emirates, entered into two contracts for the sale of grain. The two contracts contained arbitration provisions dictating that any disputes regarding the agreements were to be governed under the Grain and Free Trade Association, or GAFTA, pursuant to English law. GAFTA rules mandate that the parties are to commence arbitration of certain disputes no later than one year after the, quote, date of completion of the final discharge of the ship at port of destination, end quote. Then, pursuant to the contract, agribusiness arranged for the transport of goods by sea from Louisiana to Morocco, and the bill of lading which facilitated the operation required the resolution of disputes under the Society of Maritime Arbitrators, SMA. Due to various delays and other expenses incurred at the port of Morocco, the vessel's master presented a demurrage claim against agribusiness, and on November 7, 2013, agribusiness presented an indemnity claim against Capraghi. Then, six years later, in September of 2019, agribusiness commenced an SMA arbitration on the indemnity claim. Capraghi repeated on at least five instances to object to arbitrability and jurisdiction namely protesting that it was not a party to the bills of lading to which the claim was based and that the dispute arose instead under the sales agreement which called for gap to arbitration under english law and thus any such claim was time barred under the applicable gap to arbitration rules nevertheless the sma tribunal entered an award against capraghi in the amount of two hundred and eight thousand dollars at no point did the tribunal address capraghi's objections nor did it make mention to the sales agreement between Capraghi and agribusiness. Thus, in turn, Capraghi moved to vacate the award, to which the court agreed and found that the failure to address these objections in any fashion amounted to a manifest disregard of the law, and therefore set aside the award. The case, while somewhat straightforward, does provide at least some idea of how manifest disregard of the law might be applied to U.S. jurisprudence. Finally, we end this week in the news with a new firm announcement as arbitrator mediator service firm Arbitra launched this week. Arbitra aims to produce and provide world-class election options for arbitrations, mediations, and disputes boards and adjudications and is based in Washington, D.C. and London. From there, let's talk about opportunities. And this week, we start with the London Court of International Arbitration offers a relaunch of its internship program for its October to December period. You'll need to act quickly as applications are accepted until Sunday, July 25th, 2021. The internship is three months long and it will give a look into the LCIA operations and working procedures. And then, also in Singapore, Pinson Masons is seeking a construction advisory and disputes lawyer or associate with at least three years of experience to be based in Singapore. 
then over to the United States where law firm Arnold Porter seeks a litigation associate with at least three years of experience to join its Houston, Texas offices. Finally, for this week, law firm Michonne Derea LLP seeks a managing associate for its commercial litigation team based in its London offices. Next, as we get ready to head into events, we want to remind you about the event going on right now. That's right, Arbitration Idol. Arbitration Idol is back for season two, giving you a chance to meet some of the leading figures from across the world of international dispute resolution. And all you have to do is donate a minimum of one euro or more to have your name entered. We'll include a link in the show notes and the winner's announcement will be made at the end of July. Then, looking ahead a bit to July 29th, the ICC Young Arbitrators Forum, YAF, hosts an event titled Trends in Arbitration Rulemaking. The organizers write, within the last two years, many arbitral institutions have reformed their arbitration rules. Alongside the ICC, with its new rules of arbitration, which entered into force on 1st of January 2021, other arbitral institutions, such as the ones in Denmark, Finland, Italy, the UK, Switzerland, or the IBA, have also issued new rules. This YAP event will provide a new overview of the different reform projects and will identify the most important trends in recent arbitration rulemaking, headlined by distinguished and international panel experts, practitioners, and other scholars from around the field. They will bring together their expertise and perspectives from across the globe to analyze these important industry trends. Registration is available on the ICC website. Then on July 20th, Conversations with Neil continues right along with a familiar guest, Sarah Grimmer, the Secretary General of the Hong Kong International Arbitration Center. This latest entry, like the other episodes in the series, will give a candid and insightful look into the guest, their personality, and perspectives on the events in international arbitration, and is hosted by the dynamic duo of Neil Kaplan and Xi'an Bao. Also, another event featuring Xi'an, as she also participates on June 22nd in an episode of Maxwell Conversations. Maxwell Chambers has partnered with Lawrence Ted, a senior partner at Denton's, to host a conversation with prominent U.S. arbitrator and president of the ICCA, or ICA, Professor Lucy Reed, on the topic of Does a Right to a Physical Hearing Exist in International Arbitration? Some of the topics of conversation will be things like ICA's right to a physical hearing project, which surveys the law and practices concerning rights to a physical or virtual hearing in over 77 national jurisdictions, and the practical experience with virtual hearings in a COVID-19 era and beyond. We'll include a link to sign up in the show notes. Finally, follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn and drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com if you have comments or feedback. And before we get out of here, don't forget to sign up for Arbitration Idol. Bring a friend. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to meet up with leaders from around the world of international law and dispute resolution. Who knows what might come of those conversations? New friendships, new partnerships, new ways in which your career and experience with the field might grow so we encourage you to participate again one euro is all it takes and you never know where you might end up so until next week this has been disputes digest by tales of the tribunal none of the views shared today or in any episode of disputes digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind 
No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.